Alright guys, On The Fly is back again today. It is Monday, October 7th, 2019. I hope you guys had a great weekend. Mine, I worked all weekend. And I, you know what? I just, you know, people talk about Mondays. Getting up and going to work on Mondays. And I've got like the Monday blahs for some reason today. I just can't get myself going. But you know, wanted to, wanted to uh, get On The Fly going today. Uh, my latest podcast. Uh, today we'll be doing my top 25 music acts, and we'll con- continue with number 14 through 10. You know, last week, just to give you a rundown: 25 was Chicago, 24 was Slaughter, 23 Whitney Houston, 22 Elvis Presley, 21 Prince, number 20 New Edition, number 19 Foreigner, number 18 Boys of Men, number 17 Hollow and Oates, number 16 Guns and Roses. And number 15, Poison. So we get to number 14. We'll get to that in a minute. First of all, we don't talk about movies and we don't talk about, you know, TV shows much up here. We haven't yet, at least. But we will be getting into that, too. Um, Gotta ask you guys, because, you know, my internet situation, this is a small town. I live in a little town called Lasker in North Carolina. It's in eastern North Carolina, closer to the Virginia line. A town of about a little over 100 and our internet choices are slim to none. Well, you know, the only choices we have right now are HughesNet and maybe a U.S. cellular hotspot. But hopefully, within the next uh, next half a year, we are supposed to be getting a high-speed internet over here. So uh, choices, choices, choices. I know Netflix. I've had Netflix before because for some reason for like maybe a span of two weeks i could stream some netflix stuff to got to watch stranger things what is the way to go what do you guys do i mean drop me a line send me a message if you listen to this uh i'll have a a post on my facebook page the the uh, on the fly facebook page drop me a line and let me know what you guys use do you use hulu do you lose use netflix how are fire sticks what shows are good out there like the streaming to watch i know we do stranger things i've done cobra kai uh, stuff like that i'm i'm like an 80s guy and, and i can get into some stuff what shows do you watch on tv or regular tv i call it i guess um what shows do you watch there? What TV shows do you enjoy watching? What's a good movie? You know, eventually I'm going to do my top ten movies of all time. We've done, on the final score, we've done our top ten sports movies. And I guess the majority of what I would have on my list, maybe half and half will be sports. But there, there are some up there that I could uh, put. Maybe I'll just have it non-sports movies. And that should be interesting. But drop me a line. Drop me a message on Facebook or, or just send it under the comments on my Facebook page. Uh, let me know what you guys watch, what you what shows you really enjoy. I am, my all-time favorite television show is Friends. Uh, you know, I, I was a big Dawson's Creek fan. Um, stuff like that. Uh, I like comedies. Some of the some of the drama stuff I like, you know, Chicago PD. My wife has really got me into that here lately. Uh, that's that's a show that I started out. I was like, oh, here we go watching Chicago. But you know, now I'm really into it. The Chicago shows are pretty good, uh, and and you know, I, I but it's hard to find a really good show nowadays that that I 
really have to watch every week like it used to be it used to be i remember as a kid you know you had happy days you had more community you had family ties growing pains cheers night court uh dukes of hazard and that's what this was stuff you wanted to watch every week and and friends was about the last one for me that i you know thursday nights i had to sit down and watch friends you know i had to sit down and watch it but you know, it's hard to find one of those. I don't know if it, the older I get, the more I've got going on. I just can't, I can't concentrate enough to to sit down on, or I'm just getting old, and um, just can't, just can't get into shows like I used to. But um, still love like my music, still love my football and sports stuff. But just give me a line, drop me a line, and see what 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 you. Uh, let me know what you watch. I know I, I have never watched Game of Thrones. I know that's over now. I've never watched Game of Thrones. Never watched The Walking Dead. I know you people out there will say, what are you doing? You don't know what you're missing. But, you know, I, and, and movies are the same way. I'm, I guess I'm a retro guy. I like the retro stuff. If something comes around that that's, deals with the 80s or, or back then, I can get into it then. But I, I just haven't. You know, the Star Wars movies, I've gone to the theater, saw them. Um, what was the last? I'm trying to think of what the last movie I went to the theater and watched was. But, ugh, was it The Incredibles? And, yeah, I'm a big cartoon guy, too. But let me know what you guys think and, and give me some suggestions. And, uh, as always, what bands I'm not listening to right now uh, that, that would be good, too. And you know, guys know what I like. I like a lot. I like rock music, uh, some R and B. I like the, and I'm I'm mostly an '80s and '90s. And I have found a a group that you guys, if you haven't listened to, you really really need to listen to. Uh, they've got if you're a fan of like the Guns N' Roses sound, the ACDC sound, and I hear a, lot, a little bit of ACDC in these guys when I hear it on certain songs. But if you haven't listened to these guys, you need to listen to them. And I'm talking Dirty Honey. Now, if you haven't heard of them before, they're just, they're up and coming. Uh, and I'll send out, as a matter of fact, right now, I'm inviting all my friends to like this page. If I haven't already invited you to like it. These guys have that 80 sound. They actually opened up, uh, I want to say, for Slash and his band on, on some tour dates not too long ago. They are... The, I think, what did they say? The only band, independent band to reach number one on mainstream radio. And they did that just here lately. The, the EP is available everywhere. Um, yeah, they, they are actually October the 8th, which is tomorrow night. They're going to be in St. Paul, Minnesota, opening up for Skillet and Alter Bridge. They're, they're on that tour. Uh, they were, I think they were recently in Raleigh. Yeah, they were recently in Raleigh. Uh, their latest video, and I'm getting ready to share right now on my page, it's called Rolling Sevens. And it's that's the one that's got that, that ACDC, ACD-ish sound to it. But these guys can flat out rock. I mean, I, when I heard them, I was blown away by the sound. It, it took me back, and a lot of you guys my age will know, it took me back to... Uh, Today's when when I, I used to love music like that. I mean, gosh, it was so great that the the rock band, the hair band era, and, and you know, 
grunge came along and, and destroyed all that. But you know, grunge is one is is okay. I'm not a big grunge fan, but some of it I can listen to. But um, yeah, this is this takes me back to that time. If you guys check them out, give them a like. I just sent an invitation to all all my guys, people that have liked or I'm friends with them. The Final Score 2 or On The Fly, whatever you want to call it. And by the way, I'm calling myself On The Fly, but Facebook, for some reason, will not let me change the name from Final Score 2 to On The Fly because it says it's misleading you guys. So uh, just bear with me, and I'll, I'm going to see if I can get it changed. I do not want to make another page and go through inviting the hassle, inviting all of you again and, 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 and hassling any of you guys going, here he goes again. So, uh, But if you like the final score two and you get an invitation that says like on the uh on the fly accept it if you want to it's not not any spam or any scam like that's not going to give you a virus just check it out and that's that's what that'll be where you see all these shows on my podcast and stuff like that anyway moving on like i said check out dirty honey got some big interviews coming up guys uh i don't want to jinx myself but this week i have a big interview with a band that's an up-and-coming band. It's I don't know if you would call them R&B. I don't think it would be R&B. It would be more like dance or top 40. Uh, they've got a great, great song. They haven't really come out with an album yet. They, were, they have an EP coming out. I think it's in the wintertime. I don't want to jinx myself and say who it is yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this one. And, uh, you, you know, and of course, I'm going to have some local bands on soon. Uh, I also want to send a, a shout out to my friends over at the Flux Capacitors. The, if you haven't checked them guys out, I sent you, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I sent you a, an invitation to like their page. The Flux Capacitors, they are an 80s cover band, and they are the official band for the 30th anniversary of the trilogy of Back to the Future. And if you haven't checked out my interview with them on the Fly podcast, do so. I've got a link on my Facebook page. Just came out this week. It's an older interview, but these guys were great. I, I, I really appreciate them doing it. So many great interviews I've had here lately. DJ Cumberbund, what a great guy. Hopefully we'll have him back on Ringside Ramblings for his top 10 wrestlers of all time. He wanted he, he expressed interest in that. Also, Coming to the Runnock Rapids Theater, November 2nd, another 80s band, Mixtape. Now, if you're into 80s music, you need to come out. I bought my tickets. Me and my wife and my daughter will be going to this show. I've got an interview up uh, coming up with them sometime this month to promote the Runnock Rapids Theater show. And guys, if, you have, if you're a local person uh, within this Hereford County, Halifax County, Northampton County, even... Uh, within 30 45 minutes away how nice is it to go be able to go to a concert and not have to go two hours to do it and run rapids theater is trying to provide that entertainment for us and guys you need to check these this theater out there is not a, i promise you there's not a bad seat in this theater i've been three or four times already um planning on going a couple more times and i know travis tritt's coming in january planning to go see that so check the Run Rapid Theater out. Like I said, mixtape coming November 2nd. They've got a lot of... Check their website out. They've got a lot of great uh, groups coming. Just check them out and support this local uh, business. Alright, so let's get to the main event. Purpose of this show. The Top 25 Countdown of the mu- my music acts. These are my favorites. Not yours, not anybody else. 
not reading off a list that I've looked up at the internet. This is the one that comes straight from me. So if you don't agree with me, I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people so far haven't agreed with me on some. Of my, I know a lot of Guns N' Roses fans didn't like them being at 16. And, uh, you know, the Elvis fans probably didn't like him being at 22nd. But this is my list. So uh, I'm going to be like Barrett to Barry Gibb talk. Show. It's my list. You don't get to choose one. I can't do that accent like Jimmy Fallon does it. Um, First of all, number 14, and this is a guy that, you know, I hit a spot in, what was it, 85, where I started buying, you know, I'd, I'd go to the grocery store, to the, the drug store with, with my mom, and I'd always, you know, if I get bored, I, of course, I didn't want to walk around getting groceries or sit there, so I'd, I'd go to the magazine rack, and I always noticed there was, Circus and Hip Parader magazines. Now, that kind of piqued my interest in that kind of music, which was hard rock music. The hair bands and hard rock music was was getting big at that time. This guy, I was always scared of him. You know, as a kid, you'd heard all the stories about his how, some of the things he had done, uh, but I was scared of him. And I think 85... When his there was an album he did called let's see if it's 80, 86, excuse me eighty six called the ultimate sin and I went out you know the cover was kind of, you know had that evil looking cover with the girl on it and with him as a I don't know what kind of he had wings and stuff but you know yeah it kind of intrigued me I said okay I'm gonna take a chance on it and to this day the ultimate sin is one of my favorite. Favorite Ozzy Osbourne albums. Number 14 come in with Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy, of course, was the former lead singer of, of Black Sabbath, where he got his start. Um, and the old, you know, the more I got into after the Ultimate Sin, and I started reading up about him, and, and back then there was a big feud between him and Black Sabbath. Uh, but the more I read into it, and I started listening to the Black Sabbath stuff. Of course, I was a big wrestling fan, so in the Road Warriors entrance music at the time was Iron Man. So I liked that, and I ended up, I ended up buying uh, Paranoid. I, well, I got it as a Christmas present one year, and uh, just listened to it from start to finish. And I was like, "Wow, this is pretty good." And and no, I'm not a Black Sabbath. You know, no, I'm not a devil worshiper or anything like that. I'm still the same old guy. I'm, I, I'm like. Christian guy, and I don't bite the heads off bats or anything like Ozzy did. That's what I was talking about. You know, you heard all the antics that he did, biting the head off a bat and uh, stuff like that. But you know, the guy, and I, it always kills me when you listen to him talk, and you can't hardly understand a word. But then you listen to him sing. The guy is freaking awesome when he sings. I mean, even to this day. I mean, it may have slowed down a bit, but. To get this, the, you know, of course, everybody knows the story about he's kicked out of Black Sabbath and uh, goes into a solo career. He got his Sharon, his, his eventual wife, who got him the solo deal, and she was his manager, and he ends up making uh, Blizzard of Oz was the first one. And, you know, of course, um, 
one of the few albums amongst the 100 bestsellers of the 80s to achieve multi-platinum status without the benefit of a top 40 single. As of August 1997, it achieved quadruple platinum status, according to the RIAA. So he he got back on track really quick after Black Sabbath. Uh, you know, of course, he had Randy Rhodes, and then with the with the plane crash that took the life of Randy Rhodes, it kind of set him back. And he's gone through all the uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse problems. He's been in rehab. Of course, he's had the uh, split up with 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 his wife over a while. And now, you know, he did, he's apparently now is coming out on his last tour. This will be No More Tours is what the name of this uh, tour is. It's, I don't know if it's World or not. But he, and he also got back with Black Sabbath. Uh, of course, he's got the long, long on and off relationship with Zach Wilde, his lead guitar player, and uh, with also the leader of Black Label Society. So Ozzy, if I'm looking at all his albums, and I'm looking right now, all his solo albums, if I'm looking, No More Tears would have to be my favorite, followed closely by The Ultimate Sin. And, uh, but all of these albums are pretty good. I, I like all of them. And Ozzy is, is my number 14 uh, on my top 25. Let's go to number 13. Number 13 is a band that uh, back in the early 80s really hit their prime right up into, I would say, the early 90s. Of course, all those kind of bands kind of went down after that. You know, they've gone through lead singer changes. They've gone through lineup changes. Not as much as most bands have, but uh, I think, how many lead singers? They have three different, three different lead singers. Um but they really, I think, when they hit their prime was in 1984. And I'm not talking about just just the year. I'm talking about the album, too. My number 14, 13, excuse me, is Van Halen. Um, and, guys, when I think, I think the first time I heard Van Halen was uh, somebody was playing Diver Down and playing Pretty Woman. And then, you know... You, you start, you know, when you hear that one good song, especially back then, and you guys, we didn't have the, the uh, advantage of having iTunes or anything like that where we could just hit a button. We had to go, like, borrow a tape from somebody. Then when they came out with, they came out with, you know, if anybody out there knows what a jam box is, they came out with a jam box with double, where well, you could dub, uh, where you had a double tape deck. And, uh, you know, I would borrow tapes from people and, and you know get the good songs off of them that i wanted to and uh but yeah it was it was it was difficult back then to be able to listen to your favorite songs you have to listen to the radio and wait patiently with with a blank tape in or you go out to the to the camelot music which was ours or or to a like a roses store or something like that and get you, get what you wanted um but david lee roth and eddie van halen um, Michael Anthony and Alex Van Halen. That was the Van Halen that started me. Uh, Diver Down, like I said, I kind of got in when that was right before 80, 1984 came out, which really set off everything for them. Uh, you know, it was nothing. I don't think they could do any wrong then. And then just like that, you know, I think David Lee Roth was 
trying to go solo. I don't know. It was like artistic and personal tensions that broke this band up. But, you know, Roth was upset about Eddie Van Halen playing music outside of Van Halen without checking with the band. And then drug abuse that allegedly prevented the band from viable practices. Roth was also launching a successful solo career with an EP put out, which I bought. I remember buying the tape. Crazy from the Heat had California Girls, a remake of the Beach Boy song, and the old standard Just a Gigolo. I remember having that. Uh, and he, he even he was even offered a $20 million film deal for a script for a movie titled Crazy from the Heat. Roth hoped Van Halen would com- contribute the soundtrack. However, the film fell through when MGM Pictures was sold in 86. I, you know, you didn't hear a lot about that, about there was a movie that was going to come out. So then, you know, they they have all this crazy, crazy uh, success with 1984. You had the hit single Jump, which everybody knows what that is. Panama, I'll Wait, Hot for Teacher, uh, MTV. Van Halen was all over MTV, and that, like I said, MTV used to show used to show music videos, and this was when that craze was at its at its prime right there, because Van Halen was all over MTV. But then, you know, like I said, they had tensions, they had disagreements. David Lee Roth ends up leaving the band. Um, then it became another. Looking for a lead singer. There was rumors that you know they invited Patty Smythe of Scandal to replace David Lee Roth, but she declined. Um, and the story was that Eddie got in- introduced to Sammy Hagar, who was the former frontman for the hard rock group Montrose and the solo artist. He was a very successful solo artist. He, artist. he had a hit single, I Can't Drive 55. So he got introduced to Sammy Hagar by an auto mechanic, and then they... Uh, they hit it off, and next thing you know, here we go. Van Hagar, as they call it, Sammy. The Sammy Hagar era starts, which actually Sammy Hagar was in the band longer than David Lee Roth. So they start off with Fifty One Fifty, which was a great album. Why can't this be love? Dreams and love walks in. Three big hits off that album. Uh, a new Van Halen logo had some of the parts of the original, but now it was it was a different. It was a little bit different than that. Then they come out with uh, an, another great album, OU812, When It's Love reached the top five, and there was it, Van Halen was nominated for two Grammy awards for that in '88, '92. They won the best hard rock performance with vocal. Grammy for unlawful carnal knowledge, and and they continue just to get better and better every year. And then '95, Balance comes out, and that was pretty much, pretty much the beginning of the end. There, Balance had some good songs. What was it? Don't tell me what love can do. I can't stop loving you. Stuff like that. Then they recorded it. Uh, I think pretty much the last thing they did. Um, for the Twister soundtrack was called Humans Beings and tensions had began to really boil over between Hagar and the Van Halen brothers. Uh, Father's Day 1996 he departed. The band had recorded Humans Beings, a song for which Eddie was unhappy with uh, 
Sammy's lyrics, retitled song, wrote the melody, and upset Hagar. When they were to record the second sound, song for the soundtrack, he was in, Hagar was in Hawaii for the birth of his child. The baby was a breach, so it wasn't easy, so it needed to be delivered C-section. With Hagar back in Hawaii and against the idea of doing the project and having another song left to contribute, the Van Halen brothers alone record the instrumental Respect the Wind. Uh, and with Eddie playing guitar and Alex playing keyboards, that was nominated for Best Rock Instrumental Performance for the 39th Annual Grammy Awards. And then they had a temporary reunion with David Lee Roth, which was crazy. He added two songs uh, from for the uh, Best of Volume 1. And then they were at the MTV Music Video Awards on September 4th, 1996. First public appearance together in over 11 years. And... However, I know that David Lee Roth, Eddie, and Alex were still auditioning other, other singers. The band's appearance on the 96 Video Awards fueled reunion speculation, but several weeks after the awards show, it was discovered that Roth was out of Van Halen again. Roth released a statement in which he apologized to the media and the fans, stated that he was an unwitting participant in a publicity stunt by Van Halen manager Ray Daniels. The next day, Eddie and Alex released their own statement claiming they had been completely honest with Roth and never suggested he was guaranteed to be the next lead singer. Eddie later explained in regard to the VMA appearance that he had initially been embarrassed by Roth's antics while on camera behind Beck, who was giving an accepted speech for the award that Van Halen had presented to him. Immediately following this, the band had been taken to a backstage press conference where press queries about a reunion tour were met with Eddie saying that he needed a hip replacement to have to record an entire new studio album for any tour. In private, Roth told Eddie to avoid talking about negative things like his hip, and the two almost came to blows, thereby, for the time being, no reunion. Then Gary Sharon, the former lead singer of Extreme, came in. They, ooh, Van Halen 3 comes out. Long songs and more experimental than Van Halen's earlier work. Uh, Without You was pretty good. Uh, Fire in the Hole, that was on the Lethal Weapon 4 soundtrack. And the three tour, but uh, just not the same. It was just not the same as it was, even with Hagar. Uh, they started. They came back in the studio after a tour in 99, early 99. They started working on a new album, but the project was never released. With Sharon leaving the band, mutually, mutual decision in November 1999, citing musical difference. Then the Best of Both Worlds compilation comes out. Uh, you know, it it was a hiatus for a while for them. They did the greatest hits album, like I said, Best of Both Worlds. And then here comes, is it Hagar or is it David Lee Roth? David Lee Roth comes back. Of course, everybody knows they've been back. They did a short reunion with Hagar. That didn't last long. It started... Uh, the same old thing started creeping up again. Then the second reunion with David Lee Roth. They actually put out an album, A Different Kind of Truth. They went on a big tour, put out a live album, uh, Tokyo Dome Live in Concert. And, and now there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk in the press about Eddie Van Halen's health. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around. David Lee Roth even confirmed you will not see uh, Van Halen come back the way it was before. He, also, he actually said, I think Van Halen is finished. Uh, this was while he was promoting 
a upcoming 2020 solo concert, but no no official statement has been released. You know, you'd hate to, you'd like to see these guys get the original lineup back together. Maybe even have Eddie Van Halen back together. I mean, not Eddie Van Halen, but Sammy Hagar back back with them. So, what is the health of Eddie Van Halen? That's the question. Uh, you you don't want to hear anything. I, I'm hoping it's not as bad as as what people are are making it out to be. But is Van Halen finished? Let's hope not, because they put out some great stuff. Uh, could be a soundtrack to a lot of people's childhood there. All right, number twelve is a group uh, from California. Another one of those hair bands or rock bands from the eighties that are, are still going today. Uh, and a matter of fact, talking about the Runt Rapids Theater, I actually got to go see these guys recently at the Runt Rapids Theater. Got to go backstage and meet them, get autographs from them. They were great guys. Uh, talking about Striper. Everybody remember Striper? And I remember when they first come out, when I f- first got wind of them, they were, you know, everybody said, well, it's a Christian band. And then all of a sudden you see them, you hear them on Main Street radio, Stream Radio, uh, you you see them on MTV. Uh, I think what really launched "To Hell with the Devil" was the first album I heard, and probably my favorite out of all of those was "To Hell with the Devil." Uh, I know they came out with they had two before that, the "Yellow and Black Attack," "Soldiers Under Command," but "To Hell with the Devil" was really when, like I said, when I got into into uh, into that kind of music and, and see them in Circus Magazine, Hit Parader. That really got going, and to hell with the devil, you know. That was really a great, a great album. You look at what they did with that. Their third album released on October twenty fourth, eighty six. So we're looking at how many years ago? Thirty three years ago. Wow. Was released on October twenty fourth, eighty six. Went platinum after spending three months on Billboard's album charts, eventually selling more than two million copies. In addition to be Striper's most successful record, it was the, both the first contemporary Christian music and Christian metal album to achieve this feat. Calling on You, Free, and Honestly were hugely popular MTV hits in 87, so much that Free and Honestly both became most requested songs on the show, Dial MTV. Y'all remember Dial MTV, where you could call in and vote for, you could vote for your favorite video. And they would have a show like every day. It, MTV, what are you doing? Why don't you do this something like this again for these kids? And I know there's so many, so much social media, but gosh, no, live up to what you're about. Social MTV is music television. Let's play some music, guys. These bands would probably, uh, these bands would probably benefit from it. So they come out, honestly, okay, power ballad. Uh, how many times did you hear that dances on, on the radio? Uh, but then they follow that up with In God We Trust, which, you know, I remember when it came out, I was there. I think I went to Camelot Music and bought it that day. In God We Trust was released on June 28, 88. I also went gold. And the song, one of my favorite songs, Always There For You, briefly entered the lower levels of the pop charts, peaking at number 71, despite it being another mass hit, massive hit on MTV. 
Sound of the album was more pop-oriented than previous releases. A number of critics, as well as Striper fans, criticized the record being overproduced. Uh, the second single in video, I Believe in You, peaked at number 88. And the third single, Keep the Fire Burning, failed to chart. And, you know, they, they hit in the decline, just like most of these bands did. They hit a decline in the, in the 90s with the rise of grunge. Uh, people didn't want to listen, not me, but people didn't want to listen to... Uh, to th- that kind of music anymore. So they're still together now. Like I said, they still put out albums. Their latest album was, and I have to say this really slow so I don't get in trouble God damn evil. And it's not the cuss word, but it's saying God is damn evil. Uh, but they put out, oh man, so many since In God We Trust, Against the Law, Reborn, Murder by Pride, the cover, which had a lot of cover songs on it. They also had a cover of Kiss of Shout It Out Loud, which they played in concert at the Run Rapids Theater. Uh, no More Hell to Pay, Fallen was a great album. And this God Damn Evil is a great album too. If you like rock music, check these two out. If you haven't listened to Striper in a while, you're an old Striper fan, haven't listened to them in a while, check them out. They are still rocking and rolling. Uh, we also have to send out a prayer for one of the members of uh, Striper. I'm talking about uh, guitar player Oz Fox, who was recently diagnosed with what could possibly be some a couple of tumors on his brain. Um, you know, we, we certainly send out our prayers for for him and his family, and uh, hopefully that's not what it is. But keep your eyes posted. I know I posted it on uh, the On the Fly website. Uh, hopefully this is not what it is and he can keep rocking and rolling for a while. Also, longtime bassist Timothy Gaines leaves the band. They plug in and haven't missed a beat with former Firehouse bass player Perry Richardson. And I'm telling you guys, they, these guys, when when I say it had been a while since I'd been to a, a rock concert, but at that Run Rapids Theater, when they plugged in and started playing, they were awesome. They rocked and rolled, and I'm, I'm just saying, if you get a chance to go see these guys live, please do. Michael Sweet, he can still he, he can still hit those high notes, guys. He can still hit those high notes like he used to, and that sound, is that striper sound is just, you, you can tell a striper when they play. Number 11 on my list, the band that could, it took how long, how long did it take to record their big album uh three years three years of recording took and their biggest album came out and the drummer they had a drummer with one arm but these guys in 1987 after releasing hysteria could do no wrong one of the top selling albums of all time i'm talking about Def leopard uh i remember hearing uh, what was it? Hysteria? Not Hysteria. Gosh, what was the name of the the album that they came out with? It wasn't High and Dry. It was Pyromania. Gosh, I'm getting old. I can't remember this. Pyromania. That was the first Def Leppard album I I listened to. Rock, rock till you drop. That was a great song to lead off with. Photograph. Rock of Ages, Foolin', uh, Pyromania went on to sell 6 million copies in 83, more than 100,000 copies every week that year, and was only held from the top of the U.S. album charts by a lot of, lot of group, 
a lot of groups that had a lot of success in the early 80s, especially in 83 and 84, didn't get to number one because Michael Jackson's Thriller. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Photo, photograph, though, turned Def Leppard into a household name, supplanting Michael Jackson's Beat It as the most requested video on MTV and becoming a staple of rock radio. Fueled by Photograph and, and Rock of Ages Fool and Rock of Man- Power Mania went on to sell 6 million copies in 83. Uh, and in 2004, Power Mania was certified diamond, having sold over 10 million copies in the U.S. This, this, I mean, this group, but then you look at it, 84, they're hitting, they're hitting their, their prime. They're ready to go. They're going to follow up Power Mania. Band moved to Dublin in February 84 for tax purposes to begin writing to follow up the Pyromania. Mutt Lange initially joined on the songwriting sessions, but then suddenly declined to return as producer due to exhaustion. Jim Steinman was brought in. Steinman only worked briefly with the band, and recording work was not released. Then on this New Year's Eve 1984, drummer Rick Allen lost his left arm in a car crash on the A57 the hills outside the band's home city of Sheffield. He was driving with his Dutch girlfriend, Miriam Barrendens, when his Corvette swerved out the road on a sharp bend, went through a dry stone wall. Despite the severity of the incident, Adams was committed to continue his role with Def Leppard drummer and realized that he could use his legs to do some of the drumming work and previously done with his arms. He then worked, with, he worked to design a custom electric drum kit. The other members of the band supported his recovery and never sought a replacement. Allen was placed in a separate studio to practice his new drums. After a few months, he gathered a band together and performed the intro to Led Zeppelin version of When the Levee Breaks to showcase his progress to the band. Joe Elliott reports this has been very, a very emotional moment. During this period, Mutt Lange returned as Def Leppard's producer. Uh, Def Leppard brought in Jeff Rich in August 86 to play alongside Allen during Def Leppard's warm-up mini-tour of Ireland. When the band couldn't fit two drum kits on the stage of the gig, he and the band realized that Allen could drum alone. His comeback was sealed at the 86 Monsters of Rock Festival in England with an emotionally charged ovation after his introduction by Joe Elliott. Now, after over three years of recording Hysteria, it was finally released on August 3, 1987. Animal was the first single. Didn't do too well. Was on the top 40, but... Until the release of Pour Some Sugar On Me, that's when everything took off. The song hit number two. Hysteria finally reached the top of the U.S. Billboard 200 in July 88. Often regarded as the band's signature song, Pour Some Sugar On Me was ranked number two on VH1's 100 Greatest Songs of the 80s. So here they go. And then they just, it just, like, the whole album, that whole album was great. You go from... Uh, Charting on the U.S. Hot 100 off that album. Women was number 80. Animal was number 19. Hysteria, number 10. Pour Some Sugar On Me, number 2. Love Bites, number 1. Armageddon, number th- Armageddon at number 3. And Rocket was number 12. Remained on the charts for over 3 years. Sold over 25 million copies worldwide. Equally successful was the accompanying 16-month tour which the band performed in the round. That's a lot of people talk about that too. Concert proved... Wildly popular with the Vans, as you can see it in the videos for Pour Some Sugar On Me and Armageddon It, and it was used again for the Adrenalize Tour. So then, Hysteria, they were quickly set to work on their fifth album, hoping to avoid another lengthy, lengthy gap. 
Band member Steve Clark's alcoholism worsened to the point that he was constantly in and out of rehab. Recording sessions suffered from this distraction, and in mid-1990, he was granted a six-month leave of absence from the band. He later died from a mix of prescription drugs and alcohol on January 8, 1991 in his London home. Remaining band members decided to carry on recording the album as a four-piece with Colin, Phil Collin mimicking Clark's style on his intended guitar parts. Their fifth album, Adrenalize, was finally released on March 31, 1992. The album entered at number one on both the UK and US album charts, standing on the ladder for five weeks. The first single was Let's Get Rock, was an instant hit. And then you had these other, other uh, that came out. What was it? Have you ever needed someone so bad? Uh, just, just a great album. They had another great album called Retroactive, Acoustic Ballad, Two Steps Behind, which was in the last action here. Another single, Miss You in the in a Heartbeat. Then they started coming out with greatest hits, and they kind of went, they kind of went down with. They they brought in Vivian Campbell, formerly of Dio and Whitesnake, to be their another guitar player to take Clark's place. And Slang was a different kind of album, more alternative. People, these, these, some of these bands were trying to go alternative, and it just didn't work out for them, and this was one that didn't work out. They also, on October 23rd, 1995, the band entered the Guinness Book of World Records by performing three concerts on three continents in one day. Tangiers, Morocco, Sheffield, England, and Vancouver, Canada. So... Have they? They're still on tour. I saw them. Ooh, let's see. Not too long. It was what year was it when I, when they went out on tour with with Kiss? Gosh, what year was it? Whatever. I went to see them at Virginia Beach. Um, Virginia Beach when they uh, they were on tour with Kiss, and they still rock. Like I said, that was a great show between them and Kiss. Uh, you you could not go wrong, but Def Leppard, still going today, is my number eleven on my top twenty-five. All right, the last group we're going to talk about today is is a group that I remember hearing when I was smaller, when when I was younger, smaller, when I was younger, I didn't really pay much attention. There was a couple of songs that I that I would you know, I liked, but I remember seeing some of the albums at the record stores, and I was like, well, who? And since my high school had their mascot was the Eagles. You know, I kind of, I kind of looked at them like, you know, okay, these guys are pretty cool, the Eagles. But uh, yeah, number eleven, number ten, excuse me, is the Eagles. Um, I didn't really get into them. Like I said, the older I get, the more I get into some of these older guys. Uh, I can remember Don Henley as a solo artist uh, when the End of the Innocence came out. He he had some great, great songs on that album. Uh, End of the Innocence, Heart of the Matter, and probably one of my favorite Don Henley songs was uh, The Last Worthless Evening. But then when they, in 94, I really started getting into the Eagles. That was when they got back together with The Hell Freezes Over. Uh, uh, they did a tribute album, which was a called Common Thread, The Songs of the Evil Eagles, released in 93. Uh, Travis Tritt, who did a video, he sang Take It Easy and did a video, insisted on having a long-run era Eagles in his video for it, and they agreed. Following years of public speculation, the band formally reunited the following year. 
Lineup comprised of the five long-run era members, Fry, Henley, Walsh, Felder, and Smith. Uh, and then they did the, the tour when hell freezes over. Named for Henley's recurring statement that the group would get back together when hell freezes over. Uh, it debuted at number one on the Billboard album chart. It included four new studio songs with Get Over It, Love Will Keep Us Alive, which were both top 40 hits. But then you had those great, this is one of the top selling bands of all time. Then you had, of course, everybody remembers their big success being Hotel California. Uh Released on December 8, 1976, it was the band's fifth studio album and the first to feature Joe Walsh. The album took a year and a half to complete, a process which, along with touring, drained the band. The album's first single, New Kid in the Town, became the Eagles' third number one single. The second single was Hotel California, the title track. It topped the charts in May 77 became the Eagles' signature song. features Henley on lead vocals with a guitar duet performed by... Felder and Walsh. The song was co-written by Felder, Henley, and Fry. The mysterious lyrics have been interpreted in many ways, some of them controversial. Rumors even started in shirt quarters that the song was about Satanism. The rumor was dismissed by the band and later by Henley in the documentary film History of the Eagles. Henley told it 60 Minutes in 2007. It's basically a song about the dark underbelly of the American dream and about excess in America, which was something we knew about. Uh, Life in the Fast Lane. This, Hotel California, just from start to finish, there's not a bad song on there. I mean, you got Wasted Time, you've got Life in the Fast Lane, The Last Resort, uh, and I mean, Victim of Love. It, it was just a great album. They put out so many great songs, and just that sound, like I said before, you know when you hear the Eagles, that sound. You can always tell that it's them. Uh, this they've also put out a greatest hit 7175 the album became the highest selling album of the 20th century in the U.S. and has since sold 29 million copies in the U.S. excluding streams and tracks and 42 million copies worldwide it stayed the biggest seller of all time until it was taken over by Michael Jackson's thriller following the artist's death in 2009 the album cemented the group status as the most successful American band of the decade and, and, you know, guys, the Eagles, they, of course, Glenn Fry, who passed away, they're still going. Uh, despite Henley's statements, it was announced in March 2017, the band will be headlining the Classic West and Classic East concert events in July 2017, which were organized by their longtime manager, Irvin Azov. Glenn Fry's son, Deacon, performed in his father's place, along with country musician Vince Gill, at the Classic West concert on July 15th, the band was joined by Bob Seeger, who sang Heartache Tonight, which he co-wrote. And they're still going. Our North American tour again with Gill and Deacon Fry began in March 2018. Henley's son Will joined the touring band as a guitarist for this run of shows. In October 2018, the Eagles formally announced a worldwide tour visiting Europe and Oceania in early 2019. In 2019, the band announced that for the first time it performed their 76th album, Hotel California, in its entirety on September 27, 2019 and September 28, 2019 at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, with another set including the band's greatest hits. So, these guys, so many influence, they've influenced on so many people. Uh, just great songs. I mean, like you said, you could put together... You know, people say when you put together greatest hits, you really are having 
certain ones, uh, certain songs, not all the albums greatest hits. These guys could put out probably uh, three albums of nothing but greatest hits, and they would sell. I, I can't imagine if they put out a greatest hits album now how well it would sell. But they are number 10 on my list. Guys, when we come back next week on On The Fly, we'll start the top 10. Number nine through number five will be next week. And I'm looking looking at my list, and, uh, yeah, we've got a little bit of everything coming nine to five. We've got a solo act. We've got some country. We've got some rock. We've got some hair bands. And we got some women on, on uh, nine through five. But you just have to wait and see till next week. We're getting closer and closer to number one. Like Casey Cation, we're getting closer and closer to number one. Uh, but I'm not on the top 40. I'm on the top 25. Anyway, guys, like I said before, if you had on, on my Facebook page, if you're interested, I've already got one person interested. If you're interested in in talking a little music with me, like doing some top 10 lists or talking about a, a certain album or a certain artist, get with me. Drop me a line on Facebook. Let me know. if you're Be prepared to talk just like I do today. But... Would love to get somebody on here that knows a little bit about music. If it's a certain band you want to talk about, let's do that. Get with me on Facebook, guys. And uh, next week, like I said, next week we'll talk some more music news, and we'll go number nine through number five on my top twenty-five. We're gonna get, we're gonna finish this before too much long. In a couple of weeks, we'll find out who number one is. It shouldn't be that big of a surprise for anybody that knows me. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. That's gonna do it today for On the Fly. Have a great week.